Network Radio. This week's show is a journey into consciousness, working through the wonderful trance mediumship of Mick and Sylvie Avery, with wisdom brought through by spirit guide Gregory Hay. To find out more about their work, you can visit www.spirit-teaching.com. Okay, before we move on to the journeys into consciousness with Gregory, I'm just going to speak to Mark Bennett for about six or seven minutes. Uh, Mark was a previous guest on our show back in December, talking about um, about UFOs, really, and his work with the Ethereum Society and, and the good work they do through the teachings of Dr. George Kin. Do like to get guests back on uh, from time to time to find out what they've been up to. Uh, Mark's got some more events coming up in in May um, down in Bath and Glastonbury. Um, working with prayer energy, the power to bring about change. So, um, Mark, fire away. Tell us a bit about these um, y- these talks you're doing down in Bath and Glastonbury in May. Hi, Ian. Great to be with you again. Um, Yes, uh, these are uh, two talks on the subject of prayer energy, and uh, the theme for the talk has been inspired by the book of the same name, which I was privileged to co-author with um, best-selling author Richard Lawrence. And the basic premise of of this book is that uh, prayer is a way of invoking a real kind of energy. It's not just... um, asking some kind of mythical god for a favor. It's not like that at all. It's a way of invoking and transmitting a spiritual power which is every bit as real as electricity is. Um, it, it's, uh, it works slightly differently, but it's just as real. This power uh, is visualized Uh, not into being, but it's visualized into us and out of us. So the power exists, but by our thought, we can invoke it into our own being and send it out to bring about healing, inspiration, peace, freedom, etc. Now, if you just say a prayer for one minute for world peace, then that's great. But obviously, that is not going to result in complete world peace. It will be a drop in the ocean. Uh, Now, the ocean is made up of drops, so every drop is a good thing. But we shouldn't expect, as sometimes people do, one little prayer to result in, by itself, in a gigantic miracle. Because like all energy processes, uh, you only get out what you put in to the prayer. Uh, This system of prayer was devised by Dr. George King, um, who passed away in 1997, and he was um, an Englishman with uh, a great deal of experience in yoga. In fact, he practiced yoga for an average of uh, eight hours a day for, for 10 years or so in the late 40s and early 50s, at the same time as doing a full time job. And through his yogic training, uh, he learned to understand the spiritual science of energy flow and came up with a technique of dynamic prayer, as as he called it, where you uh, really do put a lot of feeling into the prayer. And not just that, but you also open yourself up physically. You, You don't clasp the hands to the chest, you you have the palms facing outwards, and you visualize the power flowing through you in such a way uh, as to to enable it to flow through the chakras, or certain chakras, uh, in a safe, balanced way. And this makes the whole thing much more metaphysical. It becomes less of a superstition and uh, belief, and more of a a, a spiritual practice, a scientific practice, actually, although scientists might deny that, um, which the more you practice, the better you, you become at it. So on the course that you're going to do in May, is it you'll be talking about it, but also give people the opportunity to give it a go? Yeah, it's not really a course because it's just a, an evening talk. Um, they're both evening talks. But yes, certainly there will be the opportunity to give it a go. 
and giving it a go is really the best thing you you can do about prayer because if you do it properly um, it's quite simple to do but if you do it properly with a little bit of practice it might not happen immediately but a little bit of practice you will begin to feel the energy flowing through you this will manifest as uh, physical or apparently physical uh, sensations in the in the body and aura, and you will also feel uh, afterwards cleansed and inspired and healed in some cases and much more sensitive um, to the world around us. Um, so it's it's a it's very much a living thing that you you have to do to to understand. Yes. And um, does, it, does it obviously work better when there's more people involved in the same prayer? It does in terms of the result, yes. Um, in that the more people you have, all other things being equal, then the, the better the energy, you know, the more energy is going to go out. Um, but sometimes praying alone uh, can be more inspiring in an immediate way because you you don't have to you can sort of let yourself go a bit more or you feel you can um but yes praying praying with a group overall is is the better option sure okay so you know if people want to find details about the course um um, i'm not sure if it's posted on our website um hopefully we'll make sure it's on there um, but um, you've got your own website, haven't you? Markinfo.co.uk. That's right, Ian. Yeah, all the details are up there, um, and uh, there's one uh, on the 10th of May at the Bath Positive Living Group, and that starts at 7:30, and that's at Holy Trinity Church, Monmouth Place, just off Queen Square. And the one on Wednesday, the 12th of May, is to the Glastonbury Positive Living Group. That also starts at 7.30, and that's at Glastonbury Town Hall, Magdalen Street, Glastonbury, Somerset. Okay. Well, that's wonderful. Okay, well... And if, if, yeah. you're, if, if, you're not, if you're not able to get to either of those, then um, please do have a look at the website or to see about other events coming up, or better still, get in touch with the Ethereum Society, which was founded by Dr. King, and you can call uh, our headquarters in London and we will give you details of um, all our branches and groups around the UK and indeed around the world. And that number is 0207-736-4187. And that is, of course, on the website as well. Yeah, and indeed. And also, if you want to catch up, listen um, listen to Mark's um, previous interview that we did, that's on the website um, under thespiritguys.co.uk forward slash radio and it was a show we recorded back in December and it was a very inspiring very educational show as well talking about uh, Dr. George King King and the work um, that Mark does um, you know through his teachings really Um, and they make a lot of sense I think you know like there's a lot of channeling out there Um, some of it can be a bit woolly um, but the stuff that's definitely true yeah. yeah and you know the, the stuff that Dr. George King. It's very, it's kind of very discerning and pragmatic at the same time. So, well, it's very nicely put here. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Well, he was a very practical man, and and these are practical teachings. All right. So um, before we we move on to the rest of the show, is there anything else you want to share with us, Mark? Uh, well, I just look forward to to seeing you all there, and please, you know, don't rule prayer out. Um, Give it a go. Um, try our technique out, um, or try indeed any technique out. It's better to pray, um, you know, than not to pray. It's as simple as that. As long as what you're praying for is something positive and unselfish. Indeed. Okay. Well, thanks, Mark. Thank you, Ian. Well, as always, Gregory, it's um, it's lovely to have you on board again for another week of Journeys into Consciousness. Well, thank you very much, my dear friend. I will enjoy this journey most exceptionally, I am sure. Okay, well, fantastic. Um, Now, the last time I spoke to you, I I wanted to cover the Noah's Ark story, and we didn't because there was other things we wanted to cover. So um, I won't go into it just now, but I'll bring it up in the show. Um, I think there's probably other things I'd like to talk about, and really, I'd like to get on with the Iceland volcano that happened recently over Europe and I'm not even going to attempt to try and pronounce the name of the volcano I don't know if you if you're able to or not but um, me neither it's just me neither 
<laughs> it's kind of gobbledygook. But anyway, um, it caused chaos, didn't it, over Europe yes. uh, for um, a week, I think. Um, and certainly where I live, down in the south of England, we were actually affected by the ash cloud that came down. I mean, my car is covered in it. I actually went out one Saturday morning um, and it was a perfect blue sky in all directions and then all of a sudden it just went dark and there was just this awful mist everywhere, this fog um, and it completely covered the car and everything and then about half an hour later it dispersed so um, just really want to get your feedback on it really I mean um, I suppose there's concerns that this is part of the cycle we were talking about before with the increase in volcanic uh, with the earthquakes and also the concern that other volcanoes in the region could um, erupt and I know that um, certainly in your in your time period of 19 or 1700s um, Lackey blew around that time and it, it affected thousands of people I think it even apparently killed 20,000 people across Britain as well due to the oh, sulfuric gases oh yes absolutely so my dear friend this is the point really that uh, uh, at this present time, you have not really had major eruptions apart from St. Helens and a few others uh, in the Americas. But apart from that, there have not really been the major kinds of uh, situations uh, really eventing, as it were, and covering large parts of the planet. In a sense, this recent eruption, which has uh, just uh, caused so much havoc with its um, dust volcanic dust and silica, the whole situation of it, of course, is purely and simply because uh, the wind uh, direction was so, uh, well, primarily, I suppose, because of the jet stream uh, within the stratosphere, the whole situation was, in fact, uh, rather somewhat compromised for your country, as it was, in fact, as you say, in my day, um, the, the whole situation uh, it's almost like being repeated. But what you have to understand is that these are typical situations of the planet of Earth. In a sense, it um, can almost be said to be placing at odds the whole situation of when you are putting carbon into the atmosphere, because in fact a volcano puts uh, far more carbon into the atmosphere. It's a good job it doesn't uh, continue to erupt uh, ad infinitum, as human beings uh, tend to be uh, doing with their animal husbandry and with themselves, in a sense. There has always been a great deal of carbon rising up into the atmosphere purely and simply because of such situations. It's one of the reasons as well, dear friend, why it is that uh, within native views, uh, indigenous peoples of many different countries right throughout the planet, you will see that there is not the anxiety and trepidation visited uh, where uh, volcanoes are concerned, or even for that matter, the very large forest fires, purely and simply because they see this as a natural part of the birth cycle of the earth. And uh, in many respects, when people are trying to put out their fires or whatever uh, within the the natural world, within the forests and that kind of thing, uh, native people would in fact walk the other way. They would just sit and wait for it to burn itself out because they see that as a sign of renewal. And in actual fact, within many scientific studies, it has been proved in fact that when these situations occur, the resultant um, soil content, the way in which the mineralization is then affected, partly through the uh, addition of ash and potash and various other uh, chemical situations which change the actual diversity and the ability for plants to grow in that kind of mixture is in, is in effect accelerated. So it's a bit like the, nature, the natural world burning off all of the old uh, uh, forms of uh, the ancient woodland or whatever of that particular area so as to renew and rejuvenate it. Some um, situations of some seeds from various trees actually need that type of intensive heat to actually be able to uh, sprout and grow new forms of life. So in many respects, friend, 
I have to say that within the volcanic situation, I know that a lot of people will be tying this to the uh, such situations as the wobbling of the Earth's core or whatever. Um, the point I have to make is that this is a continuous process. It's not happening because of 2012 and it's not happening as a build-up to something else. It's just the planet. It's the way that it behaves as it moves through one cycle after another. The tectonic plate uh, situation and vibration uh, as it continues where all of these different plates uh, abut together and pressure grows and uh, changes with varying intensities simply because of the pressures exerted are simply symptomatic of the planet's continuing strive for survival and its whole situation of simply put that physical life being upon the surface are always going to be at risk to such events. Mm. It's interesting you mentioned 2012 there because um, there's, there's a lot of prophecy that says around this time there's going to be an increase in um, earth changes and you know a lot of doomsayers um, have jumped on the bandwagon and yes. sort of pinpointed 2012 as some kind of pivotal cataclysm. Um, but are you saying that it's more around a, this is just a cycle that the Earth goes through from time to time, and that we're actually moving through a cycle at the moment, but it's not necessarily tied to a pivotal event? That's right. Absolutely so. Yes, none of it's tied to a pivotal event, friend. That's a fabrication of human understanding and a desire to create attraction to certain kinds of energy or certain kinds of uh, platforms of how they may then perhaps use it to profit, uh, to profit for themselves or maybe how they actually view the world and uh, that everything must revolve around the uh, outlandish, um, in a sense, arguments or situation systems laid down by the human mind which are actually unfounded and bear no actual fabric. Mm. Well, I mean, obviously, mainstream Hollywood created the, the movie 2012, which depicts probably the, the worst or best, I don't know, disaster movie that you could ever get. Um, and I suppose now it's in everybody's psyche that 2012 is about huge earth changes, big volcanoes going off, earthquakes, pole shift or whatever. Um, and you can understand how people might buy into that fear because there does seem to be something going on that endorses it or is it is it that someone's trying to use that to endorse a certain agenda yes it's like uh, endorsing a certain belief system how else are you going to flesh out a specific kind of belief system unless you put together events and scenarios which then help you to shelter that belief system uh, that is exactly the same as any other ideology, friend, and is human-driven. It's nothing to do with the Earth. The Earth isn't going to respond to human mind, unfortunately, for some. So that means to say, does it then call into question if human beings pray for the Earth or pray for the energy of the Earth? Does it mean that it goes, un uh, goes completely unwarranted or wasted? No, it doesn't, actually purely and simply because the earth is a different energy and the spirit of the earth has a different energy to that of human beings as all planets do have different energy uh, from one another and certainly from human beings or from the energy of their spirit. It's simply put that where human beings try to magnify the promise of what is to come may be to validate their axe to grind or their polar shift, however it be, and from whatever basis they come from. These ideas, sometimes through great torment and sometimes through a supposed scientific study, but they are merely drawn conclusions of one set of ideas or goals to, as opposed to another set of ideas or goals and are not actually in coexistence or coaxial re resolution to what is real. So there we have it in a sense. Yes, I understand that there will be further volcanoes, further earthquakes, 
there will be further situations of seismic shift. Absolutely, of course, the Earth is doing it all the time. At every moment, at every second, there are tremors somewhere upon the planet. So that simply means it's a part of the Earth's vibrancy. And how people wish to magnify that and draw their attention, perhaps, or others' attention to polar shifts, the poles are in fact wobbling all the time. Will they shift? North become south? South become north? No. Will it become that the polar shift is some other ideologue where it wobbles to a certain number of degrees off center and then back again? So what if it does? Do you think really that that's going to make that much of a difference? And if it does, will it just be momentary or perhaps over a period of years that you won't even feel? Actually, my dear friend, the worst scenario that could ever happen would be something happening to the moon. Because that would absolutely destroy everything. Because that was the bringer of life, after all, to the Earth. So in a sense, you could say that if something actually happened to the moon, um, it's part of the reason, I suppose, why um, many beings on our side of life are actually quite against, in a sense, the exploration of the Moon, purely and simply because it is a very delicate satellite of the Earth and needs to be preserved so the Earth and its makeup and its energy and all of the beings that live within it and upon it and beneath it, all of their energy too is dependent 100% upon the Earth being in existence. That's part of the reason why many other planets which may have stability and which may have water and other chemical structures similar to the Earth will not necessarily harbor life, purely and simply because they did not go through the same, through the same uh, cycle of evolution. In a sense, the chemical evolution of the whole uh, product of it. It's part of how beings evolved in the first place of any form. Uh, in a physical state, and why it was that it became uh, so attractive to those in the uh, multiverse, in a sense, so that we could come and have a physical life. That's why you came to have a physical life, too. Okay. Whew. So, another question I've got. Um, there's, there's also speculation as well, um, and we've spoken before about um, governments or people messing around with the weather. Yes. Um, but is it also highly probable that groups of people could be messing around with um, the tectonic plates as well to cause earthquakes? Or do you, is that a complete fabrication? I do not believe that that is a viable option, my dear friend, partly because it is, would be so difficult to do. Even setting off an atomic bomb would not necessarily drive or make changes to tectonic plate uh, variants which are happening at that present time. So the very fact, my dear friend, that there have been uh, nuclear testings um, carried out in Nevada or Arizona um, actually bear little resemblance or semblance of activity with what had been happening with the, um, with the actual tectonic plates moving down the northwestern coast of that country. And similarly, you would say that the activity of the inner part of the Gulf of Mexico, for example, would not have changed either from such activity. So I have to say, friend, that even though human beings may have found ways to manipulate energy of the air and atmosphere, as with the Chinese, then the situation may well be changed and altered significantly, but however temporarily in that respect, is not something which we can foresee at this present time to be repeated of the physical Earth. Now, many people at the time of the, um, the Hadron Collider, when that was brought on and managed, and when it was first fired up, that it was thought that it would actually create a great deal of tectonic plate movement and it actually has not shaken or stirred anything whatsoever. Yeah, that's right. Okay. 
Um, I mean, just going back to the moon. Um, yes. Well, basically, I just want to talk about Europa um, because yes, some some scientists are suggesting that if there was a planet in the solar system that had life, you know, albeit a micro uh, level, it could be Europa. Yes. And I, know, I just wondered because um, we we spoke about aliens and ETs. We know that. The, we, you know, we're com- I'm confident they exist. You've, you've given us enough information to make me believe they exist. Yes. Um, but from the kind of mainstream level, is th- are there moons and planets in the solar system that do harbour uh, microbiotic life? Yes, absolutely. Okay. So, I mean, would Europa be one of them? Yes. And, captured, and would they captured within captured within the uh, within the crust within the ice? Of uh, because it's not necessarily that fluid. However, I understand that the seas of Europa are in fact much deeper than your own. Mm. I haven't actually been there myself, but I hear from others within the group that that is the case. And I understand that the possibilities are actually quite advanced as to how that will then um, potentially make changes. And I dare say, my dear friend, that there will be various people who would want to proffer then that that must be where dolphins came from or whales or something like that. I have to say, in, in respect of the, of the uh, actual validity of it, that it will be found at some stage within the human cycles of evolution that as beings visit the planet Europa, um, I won't call it a moon because it should be called a planet really, that it does in fact... Uh, harbour small life forms. So when you say small life forms, are they microbes or are they kind of more like marine uh, fish and stuff like that? Um, I would not say fish and stuff like that. I would say, my dear friend, uh, the certain kinds of marine life or aquatic yeah. life uh, that uh, appear to be, uh, in a sense, invertebrate or whatever. You see? Yeah. Uh, things like uh, uh, sponges and that sort of thing and different forms of uh, very small and microscopic life. But yeah. I, I do not really see that that is a problem. Uh, in actual fact, uh, there are many places where water is abundant. The point is, and the reason why that is, is because it is prevalent throughout the universe of physical state. There are vast clouds of water many, many times the size of your galaxy that actually move across the universe. So this is a strange question because we normally think of life living on a planet. But if you have um, a, a water the size of a galaxy, you say? Yes. I mean, is that like, like an, uh, actually, would it actually look like an ocean of water? Like, would it be like a completely condensed body of water? I, yes, yes, I understand what you're driving at, friend. Uh, I understand that the condition is that it can vary between it being like a gaseous cloud of uh, uh, molecular droplets, if you like, because there is no weight, because there is no uh, atmosphere as such, although I understand around these clouds there is the possibility and potential for uh, for specific atmospheres within it as well. Uh, so that it means that the cloud may vary in its density. So even though it may be the size of a galaxy, doesn't mean to say that it's big enough, for example, to hold a being. But it might be. I haven't actually deeply gone into this myself. I will actually do that and report back if you wish. Yes, please. Yeah, that'd be great. That'd be great. Um, so another question I've got as well is that we've spoken about kind of disclosure before and I know that you, we, we can talk about the ET thing all guns blazing and it's an absolutely fascinating subject um, but sort of just bringing it back to a more pragmatic level um, because at the moment it seems that there is certain scientists on earth or certain mainstream groups are sort of suddenly starting to take an interest in admitting that extraterrestrial life could be out there 
albeit very, very small, quite frustratingly, but it's still a step in the right direction. Um, obviously, we've had um, Stephen Hawking's come out yeah. this week, and, and, and he said it's mathematically, in his mind, it's very probable that there is life out there, and we should be very weary of it, because yeah, it may it may want to come here and um, mine our planet. And Yes, of course, why not? Hmm. That's what human beings want to do, isn't that right? Is, exactly what is we to, do, yeah. Yes, absolutely. You cannot wait to uh, form some kind of uh, interstellar freighter so that they can go and mine other planets. Yeah. And then, of course, we've got uh, scientists talking about Europa, um, probable life there. There seems to be like a push to sort of, you know, encourage people, people thinking that there is other life out there, right? And then yes. all of a sudden, Buzz Aldrin um, is really promoting this idea that we should go back to Phobos. And, and check out the monolith there. Um, apparently, even um, apparently flying on uh, Air Force One with Obama as well. Now, recently, Obama cut the NASA budget to all the normal space missions. I think that build the space shuttle. And um, but in in another breath, kind of encouraging us that we should go spend money to go to Phobos, perhaps not naming Phobos outright, but mentioning going to uh, an asteroid or a satellite or whatever, and then going on to Mars. Yes. I just, just wonder if there's an ulterior motive here that there are groups like Obama who really want us to go to Phobos because it could be the, um, the smoking gun to really blow the lid off the whole subject. Yes, absolutely so. And, and, um, but my point really is that they only have to acquiesce to what is really going on. It's like, uh, well, you would put up a placebo of, of what you may think will then sweat the appetite or sate the appetite of human beings to say, oh, yes, I'm doing something, rather than doing the obvious thing, which is, in actual fact, of course, would be to uh, acknowledge that these interactions have, in fact, existed, as have with uh, various other governments right across the planet, and have happened as well to within the sight and understanding of many peoples who, yes, as with many people who had um, actually uh, thought of, as, uh, as I said, throwing up a placebo effect in order for the whole situation to be as, as in, um, it's like a, a smokescreen in a sense. Surely it would have been far better for that team of people to have acknowledged the whole situation of uh, the existence of beings from uh, elsewhere and that they have been interacting to a certain extent with various beings, not necessarily face-to-face, -face, but certainly being seen. And that these verifications at times with 60 or 80,000 people uh, being, there are 60 to 70 or 80,000 people being there at that same time, in actual fact, uh, means that instead of just denying its existence, which is obviously stupid, the whole situation really needs to be revisited in a very real way uh, and acknowledged. You cannot continue to deny human beings the very fact and, and of what they have seen and say that it is then, therefore, uh, something that is simply mass hysteria, which obviously it isn't. The trouble is it's different groups that have different agendas so one group obviously wants to get it out but you can't just come out and say that ETs exist because everyone would just eat you for dinner because it's just it's just a taboo subject so how does someone credible um, reveal this they can't can they yes they've got to do it subtly haven't they try and break through the barriers now what why is yes. it I mean That's, I just want to get your opinion that is what, what yeah sorry why do they want this subject covered up so much because, to begin with, my dear friend, for some people, it's against their religious philosophy, their belief system. It would mean that it creates detriment to how they feel that God is in their image, or they are in the image of God. That would be better right way around, wouldn't it? Yes. So that oftentimes it will be simply put that human beings put that in the foreground of what they see and exist. Otherwise, it could be that uh, if you have aliens that look like insects, who's to say that they would also uh, perhaps demand that God was in their likeness or something like that? 
So in many respects, human beings, being that they are so, uh, uh, in a sense, mindless over how they bring thought into conclusion, often situations, yes. So um, another question, I guess it must be around energy as well, because if you admit that there's other intelligent beings you know, coming here yes. and, and they've got craft that can traverse great speeds or whatever, yes. then the whole oil thing goes out the window. So it must be special interest groups that are also trying to put a lid on this. Of course, absolutely so. Yes, those with vested interests, after all, look at how uh, oil companies are at present time uh, making uh, vast wealth and profits for themselves, even though they continue to create hostility upon the planet and uh, degrade it still further with their carelessness, of course. Yeah, okay. All right. Now, is it okay if we move on to the story of Noah's Ark? Now, it's kind of strange that I bring this up because I want to talk to you about this last week, but we didn't because obviously I had some other topics we want to talk about first and then we run out. Yes. And the idea popped into my mind and so I just remembered seeing years ago there was a satellite photograph of um, an object that looked like a boat on the top of a mountain. Yes. And I thought, I must talk about that. Anyway, we didn't. But today I just bought a newspaper at five, about 5 o'clock, I think. Yes. And I opened it up, and there on page 33 was a story about Noah's Ark and about this strange object on top of Mount Ararat. Yes. And I just thought, isn't that weird? Because <laughs> I'm going to talk about this tonight. So, you know, obviously they, these explorers, uh, Christian explorers, have gone up there. Um, I think back in October, and they've found this thing. It's um, it's made of wood. It's clearly some kind of boat, and it's been there for thousands of years. Yes, um, you know, That's right. is it is it Noah's Ark? Yes, fantastic. Next story. <laughs> yes. So yes. so that okay. So it's that, true, that brings my dear friend. That's the point. Yeah. Yes, of course it is. Absolutely. Well, so I mean, when did it? When did the flood happened then for this thing to get so high up a mountain well the thing is which one if you're referring to that particular one it actually happened uh, some time before obviously uh, uh, i believe it was something around between 4 and 300 bc so what kind of flood though would put a boat 13000 feet above sea level i mean do you know what I mean? How, what could cause that? Well, actually, it was rather not a flood, rather than a, a situation which happened because of a volcanic catastrophe, which happened at the other end of the Mediterranean. Okay. And uh, the result of this was, in actual fact, if I can paint this properly, uh, the situation of the group of islands just at the, uh, and around the mouth of the Mediterranean, in a sense, uh, around Gibraltar, uh, there was, at that particular point, there was a very large uh, group of mountains that actually existed there that blew up, basically. And that what happened was the whole situation uh, created a wash within the Mediterranean itself. This was after the time that the water had flooded into it, obviously, which was at the end of the Ice Age. Mm. And so after the end of the Ice Age, the tectonic plate situation uh, created further uprising uh, for a brief time, and that, that resulted in this, uh, this volcanic situation that happened around the... Uh, the area between uh, Gibraltar and the northern coast of Africa. And that basically then what happened was that the situation became uh, that the, uh, the volcanic eruption that, uh, that happened and the resulting earthquake basically sent a wall of water right across the, um, the Mediterranean from one end to the other. And by the time it got to the other end, it was... Uh, it had already flooded the entire area and then basically, uh, uh, which was uh, also, of course, accompanied because it was volcanic, was accompanied by a great deal of uh, uh, stormy weather for uh, uh, quite a long time, uh, for, uh, yes, quite a long time. And eventually what happened was that uh, this was around the time uh, that Moses uh, lived and, and uh, around the time of, uh, when he made the ark 
and that uh, the whole situation was that it ended up where it ended up. So, obviously, he had some kind of forewarning to build an Yes, arc. absolutely. Was he warned because um, he had scientific knowledge, or was he warned because he had a message from, I don't know, God, Spirit, ETs, or what? Yes, he was a communicator, absolutely, yes. And he had been communicating for a very long time, don't forget that, Ben, that he had actually been working with the Egyptians for a long time as well, uh, yeah. in, in the, the life that he led before then. Even by the time that he built it, he was a very old person by that time. Uh, and he'd, he'd led a very, very long life all through that whole situation of uh, his learning and capability. He had many understandings about the energies of the earth and how it would react and how various different situations would react. I understand that at this present time, the book of Genesis and everything else uh, iterates to how uh, the, uh, the various pathways of um, the communication between various people and God made it that it was as though it was a land where uh, God spoke, uh, uh, came out of a burst of clouds or or bushes, or whatever it was, to almost anyone. And the point was that uh, many people at that time were extremely illuminate anyway about their whole situation and their understanding. So I take nothing away from them. It was a deeply spiritual time, but it was also a time of enormous upheaval and violence as well. Yeah. So I take it that he and, and the animals survived, and, um, yeah. and obviously he wasn't the only person on, on, the, on the boat. There must have been many um, humans on there as well, I take it. Uh, well, a few, yes. But the point is that he, you have to understand that that, as far as they were concerned, was the whole world. It wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't the whole world. It was just that area, bad enough as though it was. He must have taken away many lives. An event like that, you know, a huge tsunami, uh, I, I imagine. Yes, yes, traveling. Yeah. Yes, so, so did did they just stay on the mountain? Obviously, but the boat stayed there. I mean, how long was it? Sorry. Yes, they just left it. They left it there. So, did the the flood waters, um, you know, recede straight away, or was it kind of flooded for a long time? No, I understand it was flooded for some time, purely and simply because it was entrapment then. It had nowhere else to go. If you look at the whole situation of it, you will see that there were various other areas where uh, the, the water was let out, in a sense, gradually because of the various other barriers that were destroyed by the water as the floods uh, began to ebb away. So it took soil with it and then made other lands, in a sense, there was a huge upheaval and a massive movement of soil at that time. Yeah. So I imagine he must have lived, um, you know, using the animals, I guess, really. Well, but, um, yes, to a point. Yes, absolutely. Doing what human beings do. Yeah, crazy. Well, that's fantastic, isn't it? To know that there's a story in the Bible that you can, there's actually, there's evidence for. Well, the point is, my dear friend, there are many stories in the Bible for which there are evidences. Uh, the yeah. point is that it's, in a sense, how you look for them, how you interpret one story. is It's all about location to begin with, that they're not necessarily stories purely and simply confined to the Mediterranean or Arab states. There, there are actually, parts of them are stories to do with uh, other other energies to do with other indigenous peoples from elsewhere upon the planet and actually aren't anything to do with um, the Arabic world or Israel or, or, or where else, um, or, or mm, Turkey or uh, Greece or whatever. It's, the point is that that was just the known world at that time to that group of people. There were other people in existence right throughout the planet, and they had similar stories and similar events because the Earth at that time was also going through dramatic upheaval. Mm. So, we know, we're going through a cycle now. I mean, something like that couldn't happen today, could it? 
well, the conditions aren't right for such an event to happen like that. No, absolutely not, because you don't have the variables of uh, what could take place. For example, if the other mountain of uh, Iceland uh, that that began erupting or something, then you might actually see that you are under a volcanic cloud for for uh, maybe even a year or two. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's that's obviously pretty devastating because of the um, the agriculture, isn't it, and other effects. But well, and everything else. Yeah. Yes, of course. Yeah. Because of the lack of sunlight to begin with. Also, of course, the layers of dust that simply will stifle everything. And yep. the actual inability of humankind to live in that kind of atmosphere. Okay. Well, I, I really don't want to sort of dwell on that because I really hope that doesn't happen. No, of course honest. not. And I'm not <laughs> suggesting that it, that it would yeah. happen. That's my point, really. It, it's actually quite a rare event, even though I am well aware that it happened about 100 years or so ago. Uh, that it, And I understand that it's quite possible for the the cycle to be repeated at this present time because the first smaller volcano have has already sparked off. The point is that you cannot look at one moment in history and say that is a repeated cycle because you have to see the evidence of it being repeated over countless generations. And that is not the point. The point is that it's just a weakness at that point of the Earth's crust. Okay. Well, something I also want to talk about as well, just some observations really, is that um, people with um, third or fourth generation night vision goggles are able to see extremely busy skies, um, almost seeing um, craft that you wouldn't normally see flying around, zipping about up in the upper atmosphere. Yes. Um, and I, I've seen footage, footage of this myself on the internet and it seems quite bizarre. It almost... You know, you could even be fooled into thinking there was some kind of ET battle going on up there. Uh, <laughs> but they're really, you know, looking at the footage, it really is these ships just zipping around all over the place um, through these, these night goggles. Yes. Um, it just seems like there could be some sort of breakaway civilization up there or um, someone trying to fend other beings off from coming here and we're all down here none the wiser. I mean, what do you make of that? Well, yes, quite so. Um, well, I, I have to say, as I've had as I have said for often times that there are many beings who have interest in the Earth planet. There are many beings who have uh, not just a vested interest in its well-being as in that they would like to protect it from those who would wish to ravage it. Uh, the point is that there will always be these kinds of conditions throughout the universe and it's I suppose, quite um, an advancement in a sense for human beings to be able to see these activities that are going on firsthand. Oftentimes, it had been that they were just the, 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 the simple situations that happened to individuals. And it was really up to those individuals to either keep their mouths shut or to uh, uh, tell their relatives or friends. And oftentimes they would just be laughed into some secure unit or other somewhere else uh, and locked away or simply ignored. So my point, friend, really, is this has been going on for a while now. Mm. So is there a group, or, or somebody at least, protecting us? That's what it seems like. Well, uh, they are vying for interest, I believe. That's the point. You still have to be very careful as to who is actually in the um, in the control of the situation. Human beings certainly are not. Yes. Uh, but I don't really want to talk too much over it purely yeah. and simply because of the then poss possibility of extreme negative behavior toward that situation or toward one another because of it. Yeah. Okay, I mean, it's, it's, it's common stuff on the internet, so, um, I mean, people... I understand that, but for many sections of uh, the public, of human beings on your side of life, they will tend to uh, treat many of the items on that media uh, circus, in a sense, with uh, a pinch of salt. Of course, yeah. Well, this is the classic thing, isn't it? If you want to if you want to cover something up, um, you just pull it out and... Into, you know, yes, yes, um, that's right. And it, disinformation, it, it, yeah, it's all there. Yes, 
It's easy to do, isn't it, really? Um, it was, I mean, I've, I've got some questions now that people have written in. Um, and one lady's asked two questions, and she wants to know, how many lifetimes have you had on Earth, Gregory? And I know that you you had a life here before with White Cloud, didn't you? So I, just, I think she just wants to know how many lives you've had on Earth. And also, she wants to know um, about Area 51. You know, is it true what they say about it? You know, yes. UFOs, yeah. Yes, well, yes. Uh, in a point, yes, it is true. Okay, which we know is they have... Apparently, didn't they take the, um, the crashed Roswell... Uh, the ship from Roswell there, or yes, there's underground the bases. There. Yes. You're talking about the the alien autopsy. Yes, yes. Yes, that's right. The autopsy was fake, wasn't it? But the actual event of Roswell wasn't a fake, was it? That's right. And in actual fact, what happened was there was a real one, but they kept that. That has not been uh, publicised. Yes. That's well, my point. They publicised one that was a mock. With the intention of um, uh, just misinformation. Friend, yes. That's, yes. Yeah. So, Okay. Yes. Okay. Now, in yes. to the first part of the question, I it. have been in existence for millions and millions of years, in exactly the same as everyone else has been in existence for millions and millions of years. I am not on a bound or bound in any way to the Earth physical civilization, nor of having an Earth physical life does not make me well, does not suit me, does not make me feel a better being for have had thousands upon thousands of lives or just one. I have had and continue to have my life. My experience within the spirit world is not unique. Almost every being in the spirit world comes to have similar experiences to myself. Not that we dip relentlessly back and forth to have physical life in order that there may be some form of energy present. Energy does not depend upon physical life. Energy is in existence of the spirit in spite of physical life. Physical life degrades the spirit clothes it in negativity, clothes it in ugliness, clothes it in false senses and promises. The multiverse is awash with countless trillions and billions of beings who are non-physical. Far more beings who are non-physical than every single cell or molecule that exists within physical states, time and space of any dimension. So that means, dear friend, if you asking by your question that it would make me ascended if I had had so many thousands of lives as a resulting situation, I would ask you, I have not yet met one person who, having claimed to have had thousands of lives on physical earth, that they knew any more than me, or that they knew any more than a babe who lasted just three days and then passed again back to the spirit world. The problem that human beings have is to do with their faculty of mind and how Human beings regard physical life as being the only way to accent or ascend some form of energy that would have to be a derivative to become closer to God. Your vehicle of physical life is but a page, a sentence, a dot a full stop or a comma in a very large sentence of many commas and many full stops. When human beings keep the cycle of the earth as within their own physical life, they are simply 
moving away from their spirit, which is pure and continues to be pure after all is said and done, after many a uh, sequence of ugliness or negativity, that spirit is still pure and beautiful. No one is sent to hell. No one is sent to the background. No one is sent into limbo or timelessness. By the shatterers of any religion or any pronouncement upon an evildoer or someone who is left to the wastes of life. To become lifeless is not an option. So therefore I say to you, dear friend, all beings are intensively beautiful. It is just the ugliness of the shell you have or of the mind you have or of the conscious state you wish to pour scorn upon others or muddy their water. How I would wish to view all life, all beings, regardless of what they have done, is that they have room to grow. It is not dependent upon physical state, not dependent on the ugly thoughts or beautiful thoughts of human beings, but dependent upon their energy and their communication with their spirit. Many people call this by other names too. May call it source, the source of all life. It doesn't matter, it's semantics. It's like playing with God. I would wish that I would play with God just once. Then play with yourself. It is no matter. The thoughts and idioms of the mind are there simply not to confuse you but because you want to be confused. It's very simple. Life continues, is continuous. You are millions of years of ancient state. God is millions of years of ancient state because you are part of it. You're just not that close at this present time because you're of the physical stuff. So if you want to become closer to God, be closer to your spirit. Be at union with your spirit. Be loving. Be giving. Be at joy with that beautiful state of being. And then you will be understanding of that which you are of God. Okay. <clears throat> thank you, Gregory. I thank you. Are you still, are yes, you still yes. there? I'm still here. Yes, yes. Okay. Okay. Um, just to answer another another question as well um, before we, we wrap it up yes. for this show anyway um, yeah a lady was asking that she um, she was I think she woke up one morning um, and she had a very strong voice in her in her head tell her to look into the numbers 888 and she just wanted to know um, she didn't get she didn't really know what why she was giving them and um, was just wondering if they had some kind of meaning yes I would actually uh, there are two things to do with this. The first thing is I would be wary of suddenly being woken by a strange voice you've never heard uh, saying a bunch of stuff, whatever that bunch of stuff might be. It could be a number. It could be something else. Whatever next. So part of what I would have to say would be for that person to be restrained. Uh, not in the stream as uh, going to a funny farm or something like that. I'm saying really and intensively that for beings who in fact allow themselves to be open to any situation, they would have to be careful. 888, what meaning of this? Perhaps you would need to consult someone who has a fixation over numbers. Perhaps it would be that duality, that duality has a different hand to play with in this. And maybe it's a magical situation that you need to find out within your own path to enable you to walk a different life. 
there are many connotations, friend, that people within mind may bring to bear upon any given situation. I understand. If someone said to me in a very strong voice that I had never ever heard before anything, I would not be very pleased or happy. I would regard it more as an infringement of my personality and my personal space. The fact this being had broken through may be simply that you need to develop some such gift or some such situation that you actually have and has as yet lain undetected. So there are a number of avenues, dear friend, for you to begin. I would suggest you do one of those first of all before you begin worrying about what 888 might mean. Is this a situation that could be repeated or is it merely a one-off expression? That's what really what you need to find out how you really need to regard the condition if it's something that can be repeated through development or through learning or through a different change in energy vibration or maybe a different way of activity. How you conduct yourself from one day to another or is it simply a one-off situation brought out of the blue simply because you were in a certain space at that time in order to accept it for any other understanding or any other reason for it being validated or brought to your mind at this time, however that was fetid, whether it was within your consciousness, outside in the open air, or something that would have been audible by other beings, is actually not material here, although it would have a bearing on what development took place subsequently for you. I wish you all the love in the world, dear friend. I really do. Um, right, I think we'll um, we'll call it a day there anyway. Um, we've got quite a few things there, didn't we, in that show? So thank you for coming on again, yes, and giving us your wonderful views and uh, perspective on everything. It's uh, always a pleasure. Well, thank you so very much, my dear friend Ian. God bless upon your journey and to those of your family, of course, and everyone else who may, at some time within their life, listen to this interaction. I thank you so. God bless everyone. Okay. God bless. If you would like to book your own personal reading with Gregory to find out about your own soul journey, then please visit the graphic banner underneath the show or visit www.spirit-teaching.com.